Hello folks, you are currently listening to the Kings of Punk podcast. I am one of your hosts, Tyler Hammer, with me is Gary U.S. Bombs, and as almost always, Jake Razor. Hello, I'm back from, as you put it, uh, the land down above us, Canada. And you just heard a song, a little clip of the... Uh, what what is it called again? The the, the Jack Jack officers. officers. Yes, I'm sorry. Thank you, uh, Professor Doctor Gary U.S. Bombs for clarifying. And well, and the reason we're playing that is because uh, this is part two of our Butthole Surfers episode. Correct. And the Jack officers, that was uh, Gibby Haynes and Paul Leary of the Butthole Surfers. No, if I was Jeff, because Paul has his own project. Well, I think Gibby was involved with this as well. Gibby was involved. Well, maybe not Paul Leary, but still. Uh, Jeff Pincus, Gibby Haynes, their uh, techno side project, I guess you could call it. I guess. They had a, lot yeah. of, a few different varieties of electronic music on it, and, and, and sort of dipping my toes in their 90s catalog here, I will say when they experiment with electronic music, they incorporate a few different kind of sounds. There's a little bit of house, a little bit of... Like UK techno, almost garage, like rave kind of rave. Just that this is like there's a million subgenres in electronic music, but from what I can glean, at this point in the '90s, there was kind of a general rave sound that split off into different, came from different places and then split off into different places again. I'm not an expert on the music, but that's the impression I get. Yes. So I and just to confirm, yes, it is Gibby and Jeff. Oh. And I will say I had uh, just come in a little lot later than I wanted to, but uh, apologies for having the previous episode not out as soon as I wanted to. I wanted to have it on a Monday, and then it was like Monday went by, and I was like, hmm, I forgot to upload the episode again. <laughs> but, Jake, how was your uh, trip to Canada overall? Oh, it's awesome. I loved it. Tor- we went to Toronto, uh, my girlfriend and I, uh, for celebrate our anniversary and um that is an amazing crazy city very Mm. multicultural i think because it's a canadian city and there isn't a lot of culture organically from there Mm. organic wouldn't be the word for it but it it seems like it's just a place where everybody from all over came to live and do business so you name it anywhere in the world you can find it there in toronto we were in chinatown a lot we were trying we had walked by this like punky looking dive bar and we were going to go out that night we have some drinks whatever we're like i guess we'll go there that's a good kind of default for us that's we go to places like that but we went we got an uber to the wrong address it was their old location and we found ourselves on in like an ethiopian slash eritrean neighborhood my girlfriend doesn't typically like Ethiopian food, but I got her to go to an Eritrean bar slash lounge. Now, what's the Eritrean? What's the difference? Uh, it, Eritrea there... was a region of Ethiopia. They got independence in the 90s after fighting for like 30 years. Mm. And uh, I, because it's technically a different country, she would go there and it was awesome. They like played a bunch of Eritrean music. And then late at night, you know, when it was getting closing time, they played like Despacito and, you know, American pop <laughs> yeah. music. Some uh, snow. You know, I wish. Performer. I wish. I was playing snow in the car. I saw some snow style white boys around the city 
And uh, yeah, the uh, I recommend the Pacific Mall in Scarborough if you want to see some crazy Chinese shit. Bunch of uh, plastic cubicles that are stores, and most of them are the same store. And it just seems like if you took any suburb around here, but then everyone was Chinese and they <laughs> don't assimilate because there's nothing to assimilate to because it's fucking Canada. So they've just set up some kind of system where they sell each other phone cases. And I guess it works. Hmm. And the didn't you say the fallen gong? Oh yeah, I encountered the the fallen gong, the people with the signs about CCP organ harvesting, and you kind of if you're in Chinatown, organ harvesting or Scarborough, yeah, that's one of their big accusations against Chinese Communist Party is the organ harvesting. Huh. Um. Yeah, you you will encounter those people there. That is just part of the landscape. Well, I had a, I you know what I will say I I went little butthole surfers this past weekend. Oh, a little bit. Uh, oh, I see. I went a little silly, silly Cybin mode uh, on Saturday uh, to kind of get in the. Not actually, in it wasn't regards to butthole service at all. Uh, I was just, I had some mushrooms because you like, could, huh? I was just like, yeah, I guess I'll do it today because when else am I gonna do it? I literally, I want to see my partner next this whole week, and we got a show on Sunday. We had practice on Sunday. We got this, blah blah blah. So it was pretty good, you know. I I get why I think psychedelics are my favorite thing to do. They're good. Because it's it's like not addictive. It's not like a feeling that I enjoy. You know what yes, I mean? So no, like, for sure. It's great, but I don't do psychedelics to have a good time. I do psychedelics to I don't want to say have a good time. That's that might be wrong. I do psychedelics to put my brain in a different mode that it doesn't normally be can be in via just sober living, sure. and it is very introspective. And so thinking about like the idea of like what's good and bad like doesn't exist. Like I don't know what a bad trip could be. I could tell you, but that's a whole nother episode. I think that's to me it's like a mentality thing because like, like again I'm not like. Dude, I'm gonna have such a good time. It's just like I'm gonna like listen to a bunch of crazy music. I'm maybe gonna walk around. I walked around and it felt pretty good. And I'm gonna watch some like TV or a movie or something like that. So is this when you decided that the Beatles were good or that Sergeant Pepper was good or is this no that, the other I, weekend? That is that was at work. Okay, because I was just at work and I was like, I didn't you know what. I'm going to listen to a bunch of Beatles records. I didn't like Sgt. Pepper's. I liked the Beatles. I didn't like the Sgt. Pepper's album until I was under the influence of LSD, and I listened to it in mono, and then I kind of got it. Because hmm. I, de- I decided they were kidding, and it made me like it. Here's here great tip, and shout out. People, hate, people love to hate on Spotify, but Spotify has a, a setting where you can change something to mono. I had no idea. That's huge. And, dude, because it's like, dude, listen to any, like, pre-1970s record and it's often panned like in the worst possible way oh the beatles stereo mix is atrocious it's a crime against their legacy that they made it sound like dude some of that shit is like oh man i'm gonna listen to this record that i think is pretty good (laughs) never mind (laughs) Ooh, oh man i love the drums being all the way in my right fucking in the corner (laughs) 
I love hearing <laughs> yeah. Rubber Soul and having it be mixed the same as the first Ramones album. Yeah, <laughs> right. That makes a lot of good. I mean, it made sense when the Ramones did it. It makes yeah. even more sense to do it to the Beatles. Yeah, I mean, on Norwegian wood. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. So no, that's a that honestly like saved like me listening to it because it's like like yeah, if you had a record player, it would sound totally different. But like I'm in fucking headphones yeah, yeah. at work. That doesn't work. Uh, cool. All right, so that was a different weekend. But yeah, no psychedelics. I'm I'm a little overdue. Cause for me, it's kind of like an anima for my brain. It gets all yeah. the all the crap out, and uh, that's good. Uh, I got some good. I I wrote some riffs too. Good, so. good, good. Last note on Toronto. I did a shout out to I don't know what his name was, but the the guy in the Demolition Facebook group who recommended rotate this records. That place. I went there. And almost immediately spotted a early 2000s Russian pressing of the No New York compilation, which is not on Spotify. I've been listening to it a lot, but was getting fed up of having to listen to it on YouTube. I got a copy of that. We should do an episode about that album at some point. And there was another store on Spadina in Chinatown that I can't remember the name of where I got some Bob Marley records I wanted. So, and it, yeah, good record stores in Toronto. Rotate this. If you're into punk records, that would be the one to check out. So shout out to whoever gave me that recommendation. Butthole Surfers. We left off... Um, the, the tail end of the 80s. Tail end of the 80s. Teresa Nervosa has left. I believe the last thing they did in the 80s was the Humpty... It was, it was no, uh, it was the Widower the, Maker. Widower Maker on Touch and Go. Oh, we, I don't think we talked about it, but they have, I think, Double Live comes out that yes, year too. Yeah, that's also 89, yeah. Um, So that's a very expansive... You know, record to listen to if you wanted to kind of hear the live sound that they were doing. Uh, I found a very, I posted on our Instagram, a very sick footage of them performing in 88 doing uh, Sweat Loaf. With the synchronized kicks, Yeah, right? Jeff mm-hmm. and Jeff and uh, Paul, uh, Jake, because I don't think you saw it, they, when they're, when they're doing the bam, like Jeff and Paul are doing like, these like really high synchronized high kicks <laughs> and there's two drummers too and gibby has like the crazy vocal effects and the entire time there is just the most intense strobe light happening and i, I can imagine if i was in front row and seeing like those two guys just like kicking at me and then hearing his demonic voice like just delaying and <laughs> echoing I mean, even the studio recording is pretty scary, let <laughs> yeah. alone experiencing that. I do like how with, on the on the studio recording, it you know, it like lulls you in the false sense of like, oh, this will be a nice because it's like that, oh. like yeah, it's like that ambient, like <laughs> like you know, like that twinkly sounding music, it's and then you know, nice. it's just all downhill from there. But around the around this time, uh, the late eighties, they start ramping down their like live show a bit. You know, yeah, yeah. <sighs> but nineteen ninety. They switch over to a new label. We're talking Rough Trade. An English label. English yeah, label. Yeah, very important English label. One of the first, like, big independent labels. Did a lot of, like, post, what we would now know as, like, post-punk stuff. I, I, I do think um the, it seemed to me like the English uh, music media really took a liking to the butthole servers. Because, if I'm not mistaken, they also had, they did a peel session in the uh, late 80s. I think they oh, yeah, did, yeah, yes. they toured they toured Europe a couple times in the 80s and they seemed to get pretty good reception there. Yeah. Um and also they had a distributor that I believe a UK distributor that like did them pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. So they had a solid fan base overseas, overseas, which I think is is very important when you want to get to where eventually the they butthole did. servers yeah. is going to get to. Um, you kind of need to have that, like to yeah. a degree. But uh, they 1990, they go to Rough Trade. Um, they were going to do just like one album deal, but they convinced them to do an EP before, specifically the EP called The Hurdy Gurdy Man EP, which I believe is based on the title track of, which is the cover of By the... By uh, Donovan. Donovan. The, the singer Donovan. Which you probably have heard that song before. Maybe you haven't heard the cover. Is that what we're going to listen to? Yeah, yeah. We'll put that... We'll th- we should throw that on. I mean, that's yeah. like a good, mm-hmm. you know... It's a good song. Let's listen to that song. And this was a, this was a hit for them, correct? Bit of a hit. Uh, I mean, I I don't know it about was, radio. It was a single. But... It was, I believe, on the album. Okay, it came yeah, out PO'd. Yeah. So it was probably the single from that album. Yes. I mean, what, one takeaway one I'm getting from this band, learning about them, is it was sort of a slow, like, just build up of their popularity. Which culminated in them having like real big hits in the later nineties, yeah. but uh, ra- kind of ramping up the whole way through there. They just got more and more of a cult following, and more and more kind of people with sway started to like them. And this, yeah. this in the early nineties, that started to pick up a little bit more. So yeah, we could we could start with a little hurdy gurdy yeah, man cover the, here. Here's the hurdy gurdy man. Yeah. Round like a star in my sleep, I open my eyes to take a peek to find that I was by in the sea, gazing with tranquility. A land with a hurdy gurdy man who comes singing songs of love. I'm gonna 
I forgot how much I like that cover. I had heard this before. This is um, pretty classic butthole surfers, especially, you know, it, it is typical of this era in that it is more polished and less abrasive than some of the earlier stuff, but you still have some classic, pretty inarguable guitar heroics coupled with complete stupid nonsense. Yeah, with the <laughs> especially on the vocal effects. Literal, yeah. literal stupid <laughs> they, fucking nonsense. They amped the vibrato up all the way on this one. Yeah, and I don't think he was singing words probably not most of that time. And no. more to the point I can't tell. I like the part where as far as I can tell he's just singing he 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 ha 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 um <laughs> I also like the parts where the guitar lead is way too loud. It's five times louder than everything else. But then it goes normal volume, normal-ish later. You know what? They probably took that from uh, our good man, our great man, uh, Ian Stewart Donaldson, on uh, one of his uh, records that I uh, listened, that came up on my YouTube. Is it the There's, song that you can't talk about the lyrics at all? No, I just, what the album Patriot came up, and I listened to it, it was a song it was titled Intro, and there's <laughs> the guitar lead on that was just like, so much louder than everything else. I have not. And everything else sounds is very quiet and also sounds really bad. But then his vocals come in and it's like so much worse. Are you who's oh, His like solo stuff with the guitarist Steger is yeah. very, very, dude. very, very, very funny. It's oh, I mean, it's the, such bad music. Did Did you see that that video I I found on YouTube where it's I'm recording the Hell Victory album and they like look like huge jagoffs? No, I have not Extreme watched Close that. Up. Yeah. Yeah, like they're acting like complete <laughs> Dude, fucking morons. It's so stupid. Yeah, you like guys, if you are if you're like, "Oh man, I hate ISD and I hate screwdriver." Watch that footage and you'll be like, "Yeah, it's like, oh, these man, guys are these guys huge are the losers. stupidest idiots yeah. in the world." Like, Jesus Christ. But that's that's for another episode. I, know, I mean, we don't need to I think our yeah. listeners know that screwdriver were stupid. I think that I think anyone listening to this could figure that out. Now, <laughs> butthole surfers stupid but good but artsy but good and arts yeah also artsy i was gonna say before we went uh before we went to the song uh i think the what butthole surfers shows is that like what they did is what so many bands in the last like 10 to 15 20 years have done which is they remained a band and because yes. of that they were able to get their props a lot the reason why so many of the bands from the early 80s never got anywhere is because all of them broke up after two years yeah you know what i mean or like five years three four five years they just fucking broke up or even seven years these guys outlasted everybody they last they kept fucking going or i mean somehow. and you know what they also didn't have to resort to uh 
playing cock rock. No, they didn't. Like every other fucking band that like was ever something did. And That's... they, but also more importantly, and this is covered. I'm working through the Jerry A. autobiography, and he talks about all the bands who tried to, and this is most of them tried to go cock rock. Predictably, didn't get anywhere. Like the TSOL hit and run was not like going toe to toe with Guns and Roses like and pop bands. popularity. Like <laughs> no, most of the bands that did that were completely and totally unsuccessful in doing it and yeah like i think like all of them like all of them none of them succeeded in becoming hard rock heroes i like, i think the closest you could say is what like duff from the farts joining guns and roses and like that's, that's literally but it. That's, that's different from it. the farts turning into a cock rock oh band. he's right, joined the right. band and i guess poison idea they incorporated some hard rock elements some <laughs> Some by, cock rock by, elements. By, no, but Jerry talks about it in the book. They like had that was like who they got to play guitar for them was like hard rock guys, and they kept having to get different ones because they would quit. But that, that that shit was actually good. And even then, it's, you know, they weren't fucking on the charts alongside I don't know the butthole surfers, whatever no. it was in the nineties. Weird time, but no, it's 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 one of those things where yeah, like nowadays that's how bands have been doing it. Like their bands keep going for. Turnstile is a great example, I guess. You know, band just keeps plugging away, plugging away. And if they decided to quit after their second album, then you know they wouldn't be able to get there. It's, I, I, it's very hard to be a punk, to come from the punk scene and blow up organically. We're kind of seeing that now, um, but back in the day, like. You really couldn't do that, and again, a lot of it just because bands just right. fucking broke up. You had to be like suicidal tendencies or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah they sure. blew up. I guess that that would be another example, and that took them a long fucking time too. That's also true. Yeah. So. Well, moving on, um, moving on. from the Hurdy Gurdy Man single, uh, the next album or release, I should say, they got put out was uh the Rough Trade album, uh, P.O.'d. Yeah. I myself have not listened to this. I'll be honest. I'm, so you're getting a one kind of reaction from me, and then some other commentary. From I haven't these, these heard this fellas. one really. Either. Okay, cool. This um this is a, a that well you know goes without saying a weird album. Uh, seems like this is a pretty um from what I've seen like other like people online say it seems like a very hit or miss. Like okay, there's I'll, there's like definitely good songs on it. Um, but there's like definitely also like some. You know, just like stupid fucking nonsense, but not in a good way, which is important no, to like, distinguish. Just right in in the form of like, oh, this is a track that I'm not going to listen. It's to a again. waste of my time. Yeah, they like, do. Yeah, I will say there is probably two of my favorite butthole surfers songs on this album. That I think that definitely rank in the top end of their discography. Okay. Uh, I don't know which one you want to listen to. We could either do uh, Blind Man or uh, PSY. We'll say PSY is like, uh, I think it's between 10 to 12 minutes long. So I don't know if you want to. Let's rock with let's, Blind Man. Let's, let's do Blind, Blind, Blind Man. Man. Okay. Oh, my God. 
Blind Man. Off uh, of P.O.'d. P.O.'d by the Buttle Surfers. That was good, too. That was kind of some nugged out noise rock kind of thing. I'm hearing a little, uh, not far off from like the Jesus Lizard or uh, what's the other one I was thinking, oh, the Melvins, kind of that. But it's like a little wackier than those bands, but also more like yeah. hard rock. It's like, it's got that weird like, like that slacker vibe. It's got the slacker vibe, but still very like 70s. Like you, as you, I'm glad you helped me identify what drum beat I was hearing. He's exactly playing Victim and Changes by Judas Priest and it sounds pretty close yeah yeah and yeah yeah i mean he what's his name paul leary said as we quoted in the first episode that zz top was his favorite band he said he'd never listened to them but they were his favorite band <laughs> and so that's that kind of pentatonic bluesy hard rock vibe is right. definitely coming through on this one i mean because it also seems like he would like judas priest without having you know ever listened to him i mean who wouldn't look at the guy yeah. he looks awesome so following this rough trade at the time goes under and luckily for them i think sometime in 91 they go under but luckily for them the butthole surfers they just got a great opportunity you know who who from the specifically no yeah mr well i mean i don't know I mean, but mr perry mr perry farrell uh uh put up of, that uh that little thing jam- called Lollapalooza of jam addiction um which was supposed to be, be, I guess, Gene's Addiction's like last, like, all right, we're doing a final tour. This is what it is. Lollapalooza, if you don't know, big concert series. I don't, is it still going to some extent now? I think there is some version of it yeah. now, yeah. yeah. But this is the first one. Uh, this is the lineup that they had. Rollins Band. Ooh. Ice-T and Body Count. Ooh. Nine Inch Nails. Wow. Living Color. Susie and the Banshees. What? They played? Yeah. I didn't know that. Jane's Addiction and the Butthole Surfers. Honestly, that was quite the... Uh, wacky dude, lineup. That quite was the, the first Lollapalooza? Yeah. Yeah. So the first one was sick. Yeah, this is obviously an important concert series. There was It was on The Simpsons uh, in the 90s, so you know it's a big deal. I had no idea that was the first lineup. Wow. Yeah. Smiling Politely also played. <laughs> it's the one with the register to not vote booth is is at Lollapalooza <laughs> on the Simpsons. But uh great I think this was very very good big for them because they got to play in front of a huge audience that probably maybe had heard of them, but like, you know, Jane's Addiction is probably pretty big at this time. Susan the Banshees obviously like they were like I think Susan the Banshees was like the legacy act. Right. Um Buttle Surfers was kind of has been around for a minute though too this is 91 yeah they were like a big cult band at this yeah point. yeah and if you probably have seen it the live footage of that um where where they're what they're playing a song graveyard and gibby like is throwing plates up into the air and firing like a yeah like a toy yeah, shotgun yeah, yeah. Into the crowd oh, he's firing a real shotgun maybe with blanks or something like that but yeah <laughs> really it's, funny <laughs> it's crazy great footage i think this was really big because I don't know if it's around this time, 92. I don't think... What did they do in 92? Um, well, I don't think, right? the only thing I could think of that they really might have done was uh, Gibby appeared on that uh, ministry song. Oh, that's true. Uh, they did, at some point between 91 and 92, sign to Capitol, I believe. A uh, major label. Big major label. Big, big label. Like, and Paul Leary was talking, he said, like, you know, it's like, that's where, like, I think the Beatles were the Beatles on Capitol. 
Like, they, that, that was the U.S. label of the Beatles. That's so probably like what they're most known for. Big label that, like, bands that he had grown up listening I think to. Also, include, what do they say? Like, Led Zeppelin? Something, too, like, something that. like that. And it's like, mm, Nat, they, why Nat would King I not Cole. take it? You're telling me I'm not going to, like, accept this? Of course I'm going to, like. Of course, yeah. And, I so, mean, not only that. Well, I mean, we'll get to that when we get to that part, the album. But, uh, but yes, you you are right, Tim. Uh, Jesus Built My Hot Rod by Ministry featuring Gibby Haynes. It does appear in, uh, come out in 92, which I believe that's on their 93 album that it's part of. Oh, well, the Ministry album? No, that yeah. came, uh, Psalm 69. I do believe that came out in uh, okay. 1992 as well. So, and that, that only can, like, Again, it's one of those oh, things that further can only raise the help profile. Them. Yeah, for sure. The, we use, you're gonna we're gonna see a lot of this where it's like they're just doing little things here and there that is just getting them further and further up the ladder. Like they seem to be getting the, like the spotlight on them. Or again, it's more like the cult following thing, and like it's finally trickling to mainstream, uh, you know, important or, ears. Yeah. You know, they're I mean, like it, oh, okay. it highlights how different things were back then because there was no social media. And, and so instead of you go viral and a billion people know who you are and then they forget about you in 10 minutes, it's more like, you know, if you saw like if you had no idea who they were and you saw like the butthole surfers at Lollapalooza, that would be the craziest thing you saw like that decade of your life so far. And so you're going to remember it and you're going to talk to people about it and then word spreads and then that's how you get a big cult following. Whereas now, like, I can see the craziest shit ever in about two seconds and then I can scroll past it and I'm going to see something just as depraved and crazy. Like, if I just scroll through TikTok lives right now, yeah, I'm going to see a bunch of stuff that is Dude. way more fucked up than the butthole surfers and then I'm going to become I've, completely numb and just kill myself. Not really. That's very parody. Don't take that. us down today because did you see the one with the lady with the lady with yeah the, with the hair with the uh she's like dropping popcorn not tiktok lives all of them feel like i'm staring into like uh it's very it's like, like an orb that the devil created yeah it's, but it's like the orb of confusion orb of confusion like if i feel like if the devil had an orb i'd look at it and be like oh that's satan's orb i know what that is this is more like those ai generated pictures where it looks like a bunch of stuff and you can't identify any of it. It's like really in a scary, uncanny valley. It's it's a lady who is pretty looking and she has a hair iron and she's putting popcorn kernels, like unpopped popcorn kernels. Into the iron. Into the iron. Okay. And popping them like one by one. And while she's doing it, she is reacting to like... People, tipped yeah people giving like, her money people giving her money to have her do stuff so she's just they're like sending her like ice cream and then she's doing this weird like ice cream licking thing and then it's like ooh, ice cream good it's, it, it's, it is it's got kind of a butthole surfers vibe i bet gibby haynes would get a kick out of it it's i was like i watched i watched it so many times I've watched it like four or five times like in the last day it's complete nonsense because it's just yeah. like i can't get over like that this is like this is something people like. People are sitting watching this and paying to see more. I'm glad I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Dude, I'm gonna show, it's show a nightmare. It it's it's a fucking nightmare. But I was thinking of the butthole surfers when I was watching it. I was just like, man, the butthole surfers couldn't make anything as fucked up as this right now. They could get pretty close, but they, maybe not that like, fucked this up. This is dystopian. Go, um, rules. Going back to that thing you were talking about, Jake, where you know back then... You know, you see a band like the Bottle Surfers, and of course, it's going to be the craziest thing. I think they really did have a, uh, they had a far reach. 
because I remember in uh, high school I had an English uh, English teacher yes, who told Mr. me Perry. about how um he actually saw the butthole servers with like Stone Temple Pilots or something in 1993 or four, and it's just you know kind of crazy to me that like yeah I have like a like a like a teacher at school who's like. Talking to me about the butthole surfers. Look, yeah, because unlike so many crazy fucked up local bands, this wasn't just a crazy fucked up local band. They took their stupid nonsense on the road and showed everybody. They showed the world. That was like yeah. a nut. That is like an important thing too. Like this band toured. Like same thing with like Black Flag. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. If Black Flag didn't tour, like I think they would be t- still heralded to a certain degree of like, yeah, these are pretty good records. They'd like, be like Dark Throne. Yeah. Instead of uh, immortal, I guess. I don't know. Or inst- uh, inst- instead Ever. of instead of like Judas Priest. Yeah, yeah, there because <laughs> yeah. they, they literally right. that band main thing they're known for is oh there were no punk bands in this town no one knew what that was and then they played there and now there's a punk band there yeah oh Black Flag yes yeah, yeah. yeah. so moving on they sign the Capital Capital I believe starts re- immediately reissues PO'd. Because obviously, Rough Trade is at the time not a label, can't really operate as a. Probably no rights. Is a you know, good for, label to them. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and Touch and Go is still repressing and selling their old material, which will become relevant later on. 93, kind of a big year. This is definitely the biggest year for them at this so far because there's a couple things. In regards to like related stuff, Gibby Haynes has another side project titled P. Uh, that that was ninety five. That was ninety five. I was on ninety three. That's when the album came out. Yeah, but they were a band in ninety three. Oh, they formed in that. I believe okay. they formed right. in ninety three because this is very important. Let me just let me just double check here. They did form in ninety. They had formed in ninety three. Specifically, I think a very cool, kind of fucked up thing, is that they were performing at the club where River Phoenix died and in the song michael stipe which is like one of their singles they he does mention like river phoenix and then they in that Wait, like wasn't wasn't johnny depp like johnny depp was in the that? band yeah no i mean for river phoenix like dying. he was he was friends with he was friends with river phoenix oh wow they were like good friends i believe so he yeah that is that's very and uh flea was playing with them too so it's like that's a whole lot of debauchery the, going like, on just, right there just overdosing in like the alley behind the club and like you're just hearing this like band that johnny depp and the singer of the butthole surfers have as well as a flea oh wait a minute you mean they like played there and like yes. that's the night that, that's the, that, that they played when he was like dying oh wow that's crazy that I didn't know that. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, just that lineup of that band, you know, in the spirit of uh, the land down above there, I'll quote the Trailer Park Boys and say that lineup is greasy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Gibby Haynes has a side project with Johnny Depp. I'm so about to he's go. He's done get... one. He's done a one good thing, at least, I guess. That, I do kind of like I mean, that album. That, that guy made the soundtrack, The River Phoenix's Death. Like, yeah. that is, it's kind of crazy. I'm about to, after hearing that that band existed, I need to go get tested. <laughs> yeah, like mentally and physically. Yeah. I don't know seriously. what ailments I got now. Yeah. But on top of that, they have, I think, probably their biggest record as of, as of their career so far, uh, Independent Worm Saloon. Yes, this seems to be a fan favorite, especially among like buttholes fans who are coming from more of the, 
90s grunge alternative background. I've yeah. had friends who were really into that stuff who said this was their favorite. It, it seems that the Butthole Surfers fandom is kind of separated by like the decade. Right, right, for sure. And uh, this seems to be the favorite from this era. It, it was their most polished, cohesive album up to this point in some ways, I guess. I think mm-hmm. it strikes a good balance between the sort of avant-garde stuff that we talked about in the last episode that we associate with them and a bit of a rock sensibility. Do you know who produced the album? I, I do, but does Jake do? I feel like I do, but I forgot. What is it? Who is it? John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. Really? Yeah. Wow. Now, okay. There you kinda go. Kind of makes sense, too, right? Because this album, I would definitely say, by far to this point, was their most like straightforward, really rocking it. You know, it's like, yes, right, it's like yes. 90s, like, ro- like, like rock stoner shit. Yeah. Definitely more rocking. Uh, definitely got some good. I mean, you as a listener, if you're not super familiar, have probably heard the first track off of it, who was in my room last night. Yes, from Guitar Hero um, 2. Which is on Guitar Hero. And, I mean, there's, I think this album is really, this album is, like, definitely one of my f- top ones. Like, I would probably put this on before I put on Harry to Steven. Yeah, Or oh, Rembrandt Pussy Horse. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Over Locust Abortion Technician? Probably not. It's, but it's, it's like, second, t- it's, it's like after. neck and neck. It's like, oh, I'll put it in the queue after. Let's just yeah. do a couple, uh, I, I would you agree know. with that. I, I also on the production note, I was curious. I, I feel like I knew the answer was no, but I don't know that much about this band. So I Googled to see if they ever recorded anything with Steve Albini. They did not, but I did find a sick picture of Albini playing guitar in big black while wearing an upside down butthole surfers t-shirt. It's like a t-shirt upside down. It's, yeah. How does that work? I, it, I think they just sold t-shirts that were printed upside down. <laughs> okay. Like the oh, band name well, is upside sense. down. Yeah. The <laughs> graphic of, I think it's like one of their drawings of fucking clowns. Not, not the, it's like an, clearly an early eighties t-shirt of theirs, but yes, the band name is upside down and he's playing his guitar with his strap. That is like a belt as opposed to going over his arm. And it's a great picture. Wow. This is a, this is a good album. We should listen to a, song there's there's a bunch there's, of good ones oh i mean yeah i was gonna say very i, I like I, the uh there's like this there's a lot of good you know despite it being more straightforward they do have like you know they switch around they'll be like you know more mellow yeah because like so the first yeah. the first song is sort of a, the who was in my room last night that's sort of a straightforward rocker that was like a hit I like the that single song. for the album. Yeah, yeah what's like an album cut if you guys you guys know um, this one a little better than i do I like there. It is. It's hard to pick a because there's so many. I mean, I cannot pick just one. I cannot pick just one. Um, I like uh, Tong is a good one. That's like a weird kind of like. It's more on the alternative rock tip, but then it gets like kind of heavier t- towards the end. I like. I mean, the song after the wooden song. Oh, I like yeah, that that's Tong. Yeah. No, I meant like the song. Oh, the song after, after who was in my was room. In my room. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I think that's a great song too. I like um, uh, the Ballad of Naked Man. That one's pretty good too. Tim, why you? Uh, we'll leave it up to you. What do you want to do? Let's play uh, Goofy's Concern. I like this one. Also, oh, this is that's this is also a really good one. Yeah, the I mean, and also funny little Rochester connection. Yes. Uh, there was a band called the Narks who they pretty much like took the lyrics For to this, this song and put it into one of their own. Yes, yes, classic Switched Rochester. It up a little move. bit, yeah. Well, yeah, let's listen to Goofy's Concern. I don't give a fuck about the FBI. I don't give a fuck about the CIA.
You got a cigarette? No, I don't have a cigarette. <coughs> Hold on a second. You do the talking. May I see your driver's license and registration? Uh, certainly. What you doing? Chewing chocolate. Where'd you get it? Doggy dropped it. Carry on. Chinese super virus weapon known as TikTok. That's right. And yeah. shout out to the the good tune Goofy's Concern we just heard. I this is one I'm familiar with on this album again. Very rocking. Very yes. very rocking. Which but it's got some weird the, vocal effects, but not as crazy as the earlier stuff. Seemed to come from the behest of good old John Paul Jones. Yeah. Who was like for the love of God, please. Yeah, nothing Just too crazy. Just to make a, some good rocking songs. They're like, I guess. Well, because they had good rocking songs. <laughs> they wrote the songs. They just, if anything, he probably had to discourage them from like, I don't know, putting a kazoo on it that's louder than everything else and then <laughs> mixing it in mono or something. Yeah. I uh, I will say, this is definitely the first record where um, 
I think you'll notice a lot of um, fans being like, oh, they – I mean, of course. Oh, they sold, they sold out. out. Like, it's not as good as it used to be. Again. I don't know, man. Like, I just listened to the whole album earlier today, and it's like, this is a pretty fucking good album. No, this album rolls. Yeah, it's and, album. This is like a bunch of good songs. I mean, it has 17 songs on it, but it's still like – there's like a bunch of good songs on it. I don't know. It's the also the first record of theirs, I think, where I feel compelled to do... I, sorry, we're going to do another Trailer Park Boys reference, but the scene where Ray is listening to blues music and he's like... Eat, eating chicken fingers. He's drunk, nodding his head up and down in his chair and like kind of halfway doing like a fuck yeah thing with his hand. This is the first Butthole Surfers album that makes me want to do that. I could imagine doing the obnoxious like head banging thing to this. Well, this is like a, a point I brought up to you earlier. Um... To me, the the kind of vibe I get from this album, it's like the buttholes moved away from, um, you know, like the it's it's not the psychedelic crowd anymore. Yeah, right. It's, right. it's not like your acid heads. Again, it's, it's that alternative crowd. Oh, I mean, I was gonna or, say no. They they moved on to you know uh, people who love to do inhalants. Ooh, and who work yeah. at like Seven Eleven and shit. Like yeah, that's yeah. that's the crowd now. And, 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 you know, it's a good middle ground because some of those people also loved to take acid in the 90s. There was a lot of good acid around then. And people were doing MDMA, which was also, I guess, very oh, good back take then. Take an ecstasy pill? Take an ecstasy uh, pill. One, one, two ecstasy pill. And uh, these guys, did, did their experiments with ecstasy music happen around this time period, like that Jack Officers record? No, uh, those that later. Previous, three years previously. Okay. So they were, fu- and, and I think it totally makes sense given that they were like, LSD drug freaks that they would explore the new frontiers of drug doer well, music and get into like techno. I think that thing, the Jack Officers thing, that was more of them like taking the piss to like you know like rave music. I feel like they definitely thought it was dumb. Yeah, but like they did that with a lot of genres though, and it's always kind of like they're taking the piss, but they like it. Right, it's like a loving like. Piss I mean, take. Like, but like, they're also talented, so they anything, they can do it. They can't right. make it sound like crap. Yeah, that's a great way to play a style of music that you like but also think is stupid is to take the piss while you're doing it. There's a there's a little tip for everybody. So, yeah, expect our new pop-punk band to come out anytime soon right now. Ooh, I mean, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> that might be where that hits the limit. Yeah, I, I, I seriously can't. I mean, I listen to that. Remember, it was like the, the, the guy who played drums on the Iron Monkey, like the pop punk band he oh, was in. That's like melodic punk, though. Well, I mean, but seriously, though, it's just like, God damn, this yeah, shit sucks is, so much ass. Is. No, it would be more like if I like made a reggaeton album. That would be my excuse and way of doing it. <laughs> that reggaeton. That shit's good. You just wait. But yes, uh, Independent Worm Saloon, I think, you know, it seemed like a, it must have been a rousing success for the uh, butthole surfers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, we're talking about it, and they have a couple more records after this, um, specifically the one coming up that is really going to get them some big success. But uh, around this time is when the two things, the legal concerns, legal concerns with uh, Touch and Go happen. That was 96, I believe. Was it 96? I thought it was like 95 or something. I'm double checking. Uh, Well, no, no. They filed their suit in December 1995, so like end of 95. In the mid 90s. So we're we're in this period. Yes, I I didn't know about this until we decided to do this episode. This was was actually a pretty big deal. I will tell you my opinion up front that I, I don't think it 
makes the butthole surfers look great. I think this probably engendered some um, animosity towards them among fans and people. I mean, I know there were other artists and stuff that were like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. So Touch and Go at this point was owned by Corey Rusk, formerly of the Necros. Their deal with the butthole surfers had been the same as their deal had always been with all bands where the band gets 50% of royalties in exchange, Touch and Go can has the rights to their music in perpetuity. They can just keep pressing the records and selling them in indefinitely. Uh, it was a handshake deal. There was no physical contract for this, as was very, very standard for independent music labels yeah. at that point. Butthole Surfers, their side of the story, which I'm sure there's truth in, is they felt that uh, the... Touch and Go wasn't doing enough to promote them while they were simultaneously selling their old material and bringing in more money from that band than all their other artists combined. They did have some other successful artists at that point. I know Jesus Lizard was on that label at that point. They, were, they had gotten somewhere. But Buttholes thought that uh, they they wanted a higher royalty rate given the degree of promotion they were getting. Um, I mean, I, I would say I can understand where like butthole service is coming from to a degree because, yeah, I, I, I'd say compared to like all the other bands, like them going to Capitol and being in this big label and playing probably big venues and big festivals and stuff like that compared to a lot of the stuff on touch and go is probably not even close. That's true. At the same time, I think 50 50 royalties is much better. Probably much better than what the capital capital rate would be. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, but um, I guess it, maybe it's like a math thing because it's like, you know, it's like, well, capital, if they had it, would have repressed it and they'd repress, you know, 15,000 copies of a CD or a hundred, like 25,000. And OK, we only get like 15 percent, but like 15 percent of that is more than, you know, them maybe putting out another 500 and you know however much it is like you know well they more also capital would be able because of their much they got the resources larger, they have the resources to reach a much larger audience i could see them i can i can see it to a degree um i, I probably cannot, a better way to go about it yeah and, and paul leary said they had heard through the grapevine that other artists were getting a higher royalty rate than them which doesn't mean that that was true i don't i'm a yeah, little skeptical that. of that <laughs> Uh, no one else on the label said that or kind of took the butthole surfer side in this, but um, they, so they, when he wouldn't get, when Corey Rusk wouldn't give them a higher royalty rate, what they did is they tried to get the rights to their masters back so that they could have capital repress them or do whatever they want. Uh, Corey Rusk didn't want to do that either. He said that per their verbal agreement, he could press their records for another 35 years. And so they sued uh, touch and go records and you know Paul Leary as we established he went to business school so he knew what the law was and per the law verbal agreements you can throw in the trash whenever you want it doesn't mean anything completely meaningless so they got the rights to their masters back uh, ultimately ended up according to the butthole servers not financially it was actually financially a loss to them because I, I think like, capital records I'm sure was not like repressing yeah, their first 12 inch and like selling a bunch of copies or like yeah even i you know it is funny because probably by that time you know now those early bottle servers records you know some of them are like classics but you know you what know, back it might, then. it might have made maybe back then it didn't make sense but like i'm sure now in the last like 10 to 15 years well it probably I think, has 
benefited them if they still have the masters. Oh, they definitely they got their own label. Yeah, because then because now they can put it up on streaming, which is what I think a lot of the stuff we've been listening to. That's it's all recent developments. Because like that's like a big thing when bands have complained about like oh we don't get enough in streaming. It's like okay, I generally probably would agree to a certain extent but the biggest problem that some of those like mid-level bands especially is that they had one or two album deals through like a major label in the mid 90s late 90s 2000s yeah uh they didn't sell they maybe had a single that was okay um and they didn't really do shit and that album is like pretty popular within their fan base but because of the contract they barely get anything, and because if they still owe the label, like a crazy town, situation. like a crazy town, something like that, uh, then they won't get, like an Eve Six situation. Then, like you know, any of those bands that clearly still owe thousands upon thousands of dollars to their yeah. label. Oh, they shouldn't have sent. They shouldn't. We shouldn't have. They shouldn't have made us sign that. Their oh, record deal I guess like, you should have got a lawyer. Well, I yeah, don't know. They, it sucks, man. It's. You know what? You got a you got a taste of the good life. Uh, you were sipping on wine it, and eating steak and lobster for you know maybe one year <laughs> for six months. Yeah. So there's the, yeah the guy who Ed Roach who's been doing purchasing and licensing for Touch and Go from '92 up till I believe present day. I mean he his insight in this is he was like yeah I don't know I talked to other bands around Chicago and people would tell me about their three dollar royalty check. Or their label that hasn't answered their phone calls in five years, so it's it is an interesting case that I think could only have happened in the '90s because what what the court ruled is that the um what is it there's a it's called like the licensing act or something there was a law that the court ruled was intended to protect bands from bad contracts not labels and that mm. sort of this established a precedent for how that law was going to be enforced. And generally, that makes sense. This is the very rare case, which, again, is something that would kind of only happen in the 90s where the band blew up and became effectively like more powerful with more weight to swing around than the label did. And uh, you don't see that very often. So I guess the precedent that's set here is probably best for the majority. But in this case is, I think, more more debatable. Um, I'm not like holding against the butthole surfers, really, but I am a little like. Well, you know, you know it's, it's not like they couldn't have like bought the rights from Corey Rusk later and putting it on streaming. This probably true. could have been figured out some other way. But oh, so they just wanted them for like free. Is that it? I I yes. And, and they um, I mean, that is I do agree. Even if it is well, their shit, that does seem kind of debate. Like, yeah, it's a little, I mean, it's not like not he this. didn't make money on it. No, he, right, he did. You he know, did. but they just so. wanted more money. And, and the concern with the reason this case was a big deal is because it sort of had a chilling effect on independent labels because no one who ran a label like Touch and Go had ever. It's wild to think about this now. They had never even thought about this. It was a given like if yeah. you're some indie label, oh, it's your friend. Yeah, it's like a handshake. It's a handshake deal. And why would it be a big deal? And it usually wasn't. But this was a time and place where it could be. And um, I've heard of independent labels encountering. The issue of who artists have a hard time with the idea of someone else owning their music. That's one where you really have to walk them through it and explain what that means and explain, especially since that means different things for different labels. For some labels, owning your music means, oh, you can't do anything with it. For other labels, it's like, no, like you can press, put your own, like Leaking Head, we signed a you know deal for a seven inch that, if I recall correctly, said, 
we can put that music out in other formats, re-releases, compilations, all we fucking want. Yeah. It just means if that dude really wants to, he can do the same thing, which I don't have a problem yeah. with. But you got to walk people through that and you got to get it in writing. Well, going back to the time and place thing, uh, 1996 uh, definitely might have been one of the only few years where yeah. a band called the Butthole Surfers could have a uh, one of their songs hit number uh, 11 on the modern rock track billboard charts. number 11 wow. also in 94 jeff pink is or, i'm sorry leave. number one on the modern rock that's track. what i thought yeah but yeah. I, I was wondering where it is on the top 100 generally i'm uh i it's it, it it cracked the top 40 it was at number 29 that's so it. they got a top 40 hit Fucking with this incredible next that's album. crazy so yeah jeff pinkus leaves they enter some you know i'm assuming they're touring they're doing some other things they enter some legal troubles, but in the meantime, they're cooking up some gas. Another new album. With the album Electric Larry Land. Yep, released in April 1996. And the song that we're talking about is one titled Pepper. Pepper. Uh, noticeably, um, I don't want to say it's a ripoff, but uh, clearly very uh highly influenced by the song loser by yeah, back but way better oh actually right it's like loser if it was like actually like a good song loser if a loser didn't make it yeah okay what let's let's listen well, to butthole it butthole servers that's all winners right there baby let's listen to it just a yeah. little bit yeah even if just because it's important you know this is uh we didn't play i don't think maybe we'll play who's who's in my room last night maybe i'll toss it in there but I think this is important because uh, this is a big breakthrough for them. Yeah. So this is Pepper. Just how you look through other 
Surfers, the big hit. I hadn't listened to it in a while. And um, the influence of like ambient trance slash trip hop techno, that was more prominent on that than I remembered. You got the reverse drums, you have this kind of reverby cello. Like that kind of droning guitar. Yeah, yeah. That's very in line with some of the sort of experimental dance music that was coming out of England at the time and was really big. Uh, Another thing I'll note. Uh, I think we've mentioned before the obvious Captain Beefheart influence on this band. Uh, I'm just noticing because we were watching the video, in addition to, you know, Haynes' surrealist lyrics that continue to reflect that influence, he fucking looks like Captain Beefheart. He's got the same facial hair and the same hair. Yeah. And I think that's you saying that very consistent like... in their career, even if musically this is a far away from it. Uh, that seems to be one of the common threads. In terms, you know, it's hard to identify influences with this band. We, we tried last episode, uh, and just looking at this fucking guy makes it pretty obvious. But yeah, music, I can hear the back thing too, obviously. I'm curious to know if that was a deliberate choice or not. I feel like a pot. That's, I mean, be. I wouldn't be surprised. The drum beat, like, yeah. is like pretty much pretty similar. The like effects on the, the vocals, chorus is. I mean, fairly similar, I would say. As unfortunate as it might be to say, I think this was their attempt at like getting a, like a big top hit. Which you know, hey, fuck it, worked. Do it, it. Sometimes yeah. with HR songs, I've been like, 
let's try and let me try and write something that's more like a like loser normal. bike back. Yeah, like a loser. But <laughs> I was also gonna say with Independent Worm Saloon, I feel like people be when people you know the basement people were like yeah like the, the, demo the demos only. only. <laughs> You know, 60s Dio only, you know. <laughs> it's red caps only. Right. Fuck, fuck. Tori Amos's hair metal band only. Is that real? Why can't Tori read? Yeah. Whoa, is it good? So, I've never listened to it. And it can't it be good. But I, I can imagine post like the 80s, the butthole surfers were kind of just like, I think doing the uh, insane wackadoo kind of shit Wouldn't you get is t- getting a little old. Well, from an artistic point of view, you would get tired of it anyway, I have yeah. to assume. Not only that, but I'm pretty sure, like I swear I read something on the Mark Prindle website Ooh. where Shut a reader up. left a comment that was like, I read like a, in People Magazine, they would have like a, like a human oddities section sure, at the yeah. end where it's like a weird people. And I think they... Were like uh, the subject for one of those, and I think they were like, "What do you think of your fans?" And like Gibby was like, "Oh, I can't stand them. They're a bunch of fucking burnout losers who suck and are annoying." Yeah, I can understand that. Especially funny agree. if by that point they had like millions of fans and were a big band, um, <laughs> right? Like, uh, yeah, I you know I would theorize maybe they were doing different drugs by this point. This this gives me a little bit of this gives me some like. It's like the day after you do MDMA and you haven't become incredibly depressed yet and still kind of nice and you think your week's going to go fine until two days later. That's kind of how this song feels to me. This is, I, I do, I think this is kind of a, uh, I think this is a good album overall. Um, but I think you're our, I think we were talking earlier, right? Oh, it does, it's kind of like... It's front-loaded. Like, all the good songs are at the beginning, and then as you get more towards, it, like, the middle and end, they kind of lose the it steam. It gets weird, though, at the near the end, if, if, if I recall correctly. So, there is still, like, that element where it's yeah. like, okay, this sounds like the butthole surfers. Yeah, but by, by this but, point... Go ahead. Uh, no, it's just, uh, probably what you were going to say, which is like at this point, like, do you want to hear that? It feels a li- little obligatory, whereas the songs I like the most on this album are just like poppy rock songs with like fuzzed out guitar, like the first song. Uh, yeah. One of my yeah. favorite songs. I like that Jingle of a Dog's Collar. Did we? That one's good. I like um, I like the song. Uh, th- I think it's called Thermidor. Yeah, that's right. That's a good one, too. Did we mention the name of the album we're talking about? Yeah, Electric Electric Larry Land. Electric Larry Land. Sorry, I just wanted to mention, that is a very, very funny song title. Of course, a reference (laughs) to Electric Lady Land by Jimi Hendrix. Hendrix, And also, this album cover I love. It's really funny. It's really, really stupid. And I remember seeing it when I was a little kid and thinking it was scary because that looked like it hurt. Dude, it does. It kind of, so... I mean, there's blood coming out of the ear, right? It's an ear. It's it's gross. It's the side of a head. With a pencil going in an ear, it says "Electrical Ireland Butthole Surfers," and then there's two eyes in the bottom left, like, right in the in the wrong place on the on yes, the hat. yes, yeah. it rules. And <laughs> there is a, a a decent amount of blood around the ear, and yeah. yes, looking at it is kind of just like it's geez. off-putting. And I wasn't allowed to watch like violent movies or play violent video games. Right, so seeing that, it's a lot of blood, brother. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Rousing, I think easily their most successful album in terms of uh, reach and sales and such. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, yeah they uh, 
they did pretty good with this one, even though, uh, you know, I think the critics might have been a little bit more mixed on this one mm. compared to the previous album. Did Mark Prindle say anything? Do you remember if he said anything funny about it? Does he like this one? I, I can't remember I'll his review. I think, I think it was pretty much like it's, right. you know, like the, it's okay. It's just not as good as their past work. Sure. Yeah. Which, I mean, this is something that I think is important. If a band can put out more than two good LPs, like they're Which, already in the top echelon of like yeah impressive. they already had by this point too and they definitely so. had so uh, to even have something halfway decent decent where there's like songs that you want to hear like oh yeah like yeah right birds that's a good song I like ulcer breakout like you said jingle of a dog's collar that's a good song do we want to hear listen to another song of this that isn't the the single or yeah how about to- how about uh, yeah, how about Jingle of a Dog's Collar? Let's rock okay. with that one. This is Jingle of the Dog's Collar from Electric Larry Land by the Butthole Surfers.
of a dog's collar from Electric mm. Larry Land. Probably one of the poppiest songs by the bottle yeah. servers yeah, we've heard thus far. A little like, melancholy, but still poppy. Yeah. It's a little dream poppy. It, it reminds me, I've been listening to uh, Sugar Cubes, Bjork's band from the late 80s, and I, it's, it doesn't sound like that, but like it's in that universe of sort of off-kilter, dreamy pop stuff. It's not like shoegaze, but it's it's like uh, spacey sounding. Yeah. I was mentioning, talking while we were listening to this, uh, the mid-90s especially, well, there's a stuff before that, obviously, but, like, this is when, like, a ton of, like, classic, seminal, like, alter- really alternative records come out. Like, 94 to, like, 97, 98 is, like, such an important time. You know, you got bands like Melvin's, you got band or Melvin's, Buttle Surfers, uh, Primus, Primus, Nine Inch Nails, Nine Inch uh, Nails, Rage Against the Machine, fucking um, Ween, like Ween, you said, Ween yeah, is one, Ween, you got like, fucking, I mean, even shit like Oasis. Oasis, oh yeah, in England you had Oasis and uh, the weird suede album. Uh, you did have uh, that uh, post by Bjork, which sort of brought a lot of eclectic experimental energy I into mean, like pop music more so, and played, I think, an underrated role in bringing techno into like and now this is just standard that everything's fucking techno but into pop music in a way it wasn't before you also have i mean i, th- I thought about this uh guided by voices oh yeah is in oh, the yeah. mid like b thousand and alien lanes comes out well, in like, 94 grunge, and 85 like, yeah yeah grunge was kind of not what it was at people this were point. probably sick of it at that point it's like there's Kurt Cobain killed himself. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, all, all those bands except Pearl Jam broke up around the mid-90s. Yeah. So I think you put it well when you said that, you know, everything was kind of up in the air. Unfortunately, when the balls landed from the air, it yeah. landed on, like, new Metal and yeah. Chevelle. <laughs> Fuck. But luckily, I don't think that the buttholes, they never fell under that trap. No, no, no. no. We're not, he's not talking about, like... Oh, you're just saying in general. Yeah, oh, yeah. In, the, in the culture in general. Like, a bunch of bands are doing cool shit at this point. And then they like broke up or whatever happened to them. And then what we were left with was like new metal and yeah. like Creed. Corn clones. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's great. All this eclectic energy, all these genres getting mixed together to produce really cool albums like the stuff we just talked about. And the fusion of genres we ended up with was like just the worst of all possible worlds. And that's what we grew yeah. up with. That was our era when we were hey, coming Hey, someone of age. on Twitter said it's uh, classist and racist to not like new metal. So Yeah, you you mean just like anything ever is now like with anything. Dude, that tells a bunch me, of people mixing up stuff that sucks. That's hilarious because it really reveals a lot about how many diehard new metal fans that person has met. And uh, they've clearly well acquainted with how progressive those people tend yeah, to be. Yeah, actually, that is funny because I was going to say it's like, oh, yeah, new metal fans are definitely, you know, like not, you know, there's no way they could possibly like, be Like, didn't racist. they watch the woke Woodstock 99 documentary we reviewed? Like, that documentary was oh, kind of, that thing was kind of hyperventilating to an excessive degree, but, but there was something to what they were saying about what new metal represented. But it, wait a minute. It, like, what what about all the cultural appropriation, though? Like, is that bad, too? Like, I was with, like, say, Limp Bizkit and shit? But, thinking, or is that, like, okay now? Thinking about the live uh, DMX concert, there was a, someone posted on Twitter a video, and I didn't. They said, "Man, those five black people in the video must be real loud," because the video it's like a rapper, and 
it's like all white people, mostly white people in the audience, a big like fest or something like that. Yeah. And they're saying the they're saying the n word and, and not and like, not the soft man, version the, either. Yeah, they're like, man, whoever the five black people in that audience is supposed they to be must have really megaphones. loud. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, damn, holy shit. Then I was just thinking about the DMX video where it's just like, man, they all got the fucking the pass. For the, for well, that, I mean, there were so many. I mean, who, who's gonna who's gonna tell them no? There's, there's not, if DMX, like, imagine if DMX he was like, no, you can't do that. There would be a riot. They'd be like, oh, you better God. let us. Can you think of? And uh, there was uh, it was already in the air for if at that time. If someone's yeah. really trying to spin new metal as progressive somehow. That is, I'm not even mad about it because it's so fucking funny. It's so funny. It's yeah. it's more pathetic. If I mean, anything. I guess I mean Rage Against the Machine. Sure, obviously. Um, I wouldn't. They're not new. They're metal. not new. Metal. They're not. They're not. But I'm sure people think they are. For yeah, some, I mean, they probably sure. maybe I helped mean, inspire let's be that honest, shit. New metal is hardly a genre. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, I mean, it was definitely. Now nah, you want to throw all time and place, right? I mean, there's no new. You know, c- current modern day new metal. Bands. Oh, there are. There's, oh, there are. There is. There. Remember that band from Montreal, uh, Keychain. Oh, how could I forget? <laughs> I Montreal's didn't make very good uh, legacy with, with of uh, metal bands. Slave, slaves on Dope, Slaves right? on Dope. That song is... And that's it. One, the that, one good song. The one good song. And you know what, Tim? The worst thing of it all, it's only good at that live video. <laughs> oh, yeah, like the, <laughs> the studio version the sucks studio ass. version yeah. is so bad. Hey, I don't know what it is with Canada and having one band that produces one you, good new metal song because Kitty is yeah, also on that list. Which, I'm going to be honest, we re-listened to that one song and I was like, this sucks, actually. Oh, no, I mean, I like the one song that's, like, really good and jumped the fuck up. But, yeah, that what, song. Brackish? I remember I listened, brackish, brackish. I listened, yeah. We listened to that one I was just like, well, mm. we listened. No, we listened to, like, that album or some songs off that and it was like, wow, this is, like, some complete bullshit garbage i like yeah. that i like that brackets song though that song brackets brackets good. good by kitty yeah, yeah bracket is a good song you know who picked slaves on dope who to be like a, a new band who sharon osborne oh and you know who else she picked who insidious coal chamber oh you know what else she chose is to be married to ozzy osborne Wow. You know what else? Well, it's because she wanted to control him like a drugs like, like a zombie. puppet. Straight up like so, a like a goddamn marionette puppet. So it was a great choice. And you know what else she chose to do? Uh put that phony fucking accent on because she's from fucking Beverly Hills. Really? Oi. Yeah, she's not from England, no. Oi from England. What the fuck? Yeah, no, that's a put on. She's from fucking California. Like, okay, I could understand Damn. you live in England for a while, you get a little lilt to your voice. Uh, that yeah. I can buy that. She talks like a fucking like Hello? she talks like she Ugh. is like the the den mother in an orphanage from a, like a <laughs> yeah, from a- Charles Dickens. <laughs> she has to watch like a bunch of like pauper children. Yeah, yeah. As they yeah. go out and make some money. Yes, that's what how she talks, and it's, it's kind of what she does. But that's not where she's from. It's funny because like uh, recently, Cillian Murphy, uh, who is going to be starring in the movie Oppenheimer. As the man who blows up, you know, a million people, uh, he heard like he was living in London for a long time, and then his kids. He's I, I believe Irish. Killian uh, Murphy. Anyone, yeah, yeah, yeah he, that's definitely yeah, Irish. Be, yeah, but uh, his his he's like his. Oh, my kids are developing like a British accent, and I was like. I gotta go back to Ireland. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want my don't kids want to have that. a British accent, like a London, I think Hello. specific accent. Like no, it's. Let's go back to the fucking Ireland. 
No, I want him to talk even stupider. I can't even do the Irish. Accent. I want him to. I. I mean, only if that He's means like, he'll become a traveler and yeah, uh, you know, put a, do call out videos, uh, yelling at John Paul and uh, Kathleen's bike. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Irish accent isn't stupid. I take that back. The bad ones are Scottish and Welsh. That is where I cannot understand what you're saying to save my life. But you know what I can understand is. Or maybe I can't understand is maybe this next album. Well, actually, there's a little bit of history to go into the next album. Ooh, okay. Uh, this, uh, the album in question we're referring to was a Weird Revolution. Uh, originally was supposed to come out in 1998 called After the Astronaut, but the label shelved it because I believe they did not like it. Hmm. Interesting. So, then so this I, was going to be a quick follow-up. Yeah, relatively. like, and honestly, it's kind of weird to think. It's like, oh, what if it actually came out as planned? Like, because I feel like that happened, and then, like, they never really... I mean, they put, like, a uh, another album out after that, but it was all, like, uh, you know, unreleased stuff. Mm. Yeah. And they never... I mean, to this day, they have not put out, like, a new... Release. A, which, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think I really want them yeah. to. The butthole servers? Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. on that. I think I'm, they don't need to sully their legacy with, like, a new album. No, just keep it as is. I mm, I would be curious enough to, to listen. Well, but yeah. I, I, I think I'd be more curious if they didn't, like, make all that money and kind of make it already. Because I would want them to be taking the piss out of shit that's happening now. There's material for them. Oh, there's, like, a there's like an unlimited supply I mean, of My material. God, look at all that fucked up stuff we watched on TikTok. Like, there is there is a lot of deranged nonsense happening. I, just, I would be skeptical because they might not have the juice. But there is definitely grist for the butthole surfers mill if they wanted to do that. But if they don't want to do it, that means they shouldn't. Yeah, but uh, anyway, yeah, Weird Revolution, originally supposed to come out in 1998, it didn't, ended up actually coming out in 2001, five years after uh, Electric Larry Land. Damn. And uh, probably this one, Weird Revolution, uh, might be their, I don't want to say experimental, but it's maybe their most out of left field album in their entire discography. It, it sounds very yeah. influenced by the ambient trance or like what I guess they would call trip um, hop stuff. I mean, it beyond even that, like it just sounds like it's very informed by um, like late 90s, like radio songs. That too, that too. You know, like yeah. there's, there's like... I, well, just that, something about it. It seems very like dated to the late night. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was when the kind of electronic stuff I'm talking about was starting to really uh, be reflected in radio songs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is like a butthole surfers record that seems to be like massive attack influenced or like Porter's head <laughs> influenced. I don't, I don't know what you'd call it in their case. Like I to- mean, toilet head. I, I guess, think you get all <laughs> toilet head. Yeah, pe- that works. Penis for them. head. I mean, I think you could even say there's also even like Nine Inch Nails kind oh, of de- shit going definitely, on. Definitely, yeah. I like this record. I, I, I like this, I think, maybe even more than Electric Larry Land, actually. Uh, the one song I got to mention, though, because it's completely ridiculous and absurd. Yes. Uh, there's a song, Dracula from Houston, which straight up, it, it sounds like Smash Mouth by all... Or, uh, it sounds like All Star by Smash. Can Bob. we listen to that first? Yes. Absolutely. We're going to rock with Dracula from Houston off of uh, Weird Revolution, the 2001 record by the Butthole Surfers. Dracula from Houston. 
so I can get my monkey Teach him to be cool but a little bit funky Got no credit and I got no fear And I got about a buck so I can buy a beer Gotta see a doctor about the words I've said And I gotta get a bike and I gotta paint it red from Houston I recognize this song now yeah the so the riff in the verse is I said Sweet Jane at first it's very close to Sweet Jane by the Velvet Underground even closer to uh, the, the that, Tommy James song yeah right? by Crimson Clover which is basically the same riff but is missing that uh, B chord B minor in it uh, and then the chorus is exactly that song by Buffalo Springfield the hey now what's that sound Everybody look what's going round. So they took some classic rock songs and added Gibby Haynes like rapping in the 
verse and as tim pointed out there's the smash mouthification smash mouth vibe i think tyler got it even closer when he said spin doctors uh this is like the this is like the perfect final buttholes record because it's both their most commercial one and their most absurd bizarre one yeah i mean it's ridiculous especially i mean they recorded in 98 that makes sense this coming out in 2001 is so funny oh very late to the whatever the fog game this was trying not, to do not that late because people were still doing this in 2001 but like people had been doing this in 2001 i will uh, butthole servers honestly they do not seem like a 2000 that seems like a band that should not have material like past yeah the no, year 2000 no 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 way <laughs> if if that sound but you know what no, i'm that saying right yeah. i know what you mean no it's it's a perfect perfect last album in the context because like you see it as selling out, you being the haters. I see it as uh, uh, selling in. Yeah. That or, is, <laughs> I mean, I just see it as it's a good, weird fucking album. That is, Tyler, literally a five-finger death punch lyric. That good song, The Pride. I'm is not really? selling out. I'm buying in. Hmm. Oh. And wow. uh, that's, so uh, remember what I said about uh, all this great stuff happening in the 90s, and, and uh, it didn't prevent... <laughs> where we were going because uh history yep. is tied to th- this this train doesn't come off the tracks can't change where it's going what would we say and we've done this before with i think most of our legacy of episodes what is the the legacy like where do we see what are you looking for I think oh, right, right there what is the legacy of the butthole servers where do we see can we see the threads of this band still to this day? Uh, y- yes, I think so. I think, unfortunately, in recent years, like I would say the past maybe five to ten years, maybe. So I'm going to address this from like our vantage point to start, at least of people like in the punk scene, which is a tiny, tiny niche little thing. But we talk about it a lot and our listeners seem to like our insights on it. Uh, I maybe see the legacy less now than I used to. But I think their legacy from that perspective, from the underground, is they introduced a degree of like avant-garde experimentation to the punk scene mm-hmm, and to un- sure. underground rock music that was not. Th- and there's a few other people. There's other groups you could say this about. They were one of a few groups that did that. And then famously, pretty much all those groups were cited by Kurt Cobain and other people like that as major influences so that's like one massive thread you can see immediately. I mean, the Kurt Cobain thing, it's been talked about to death, but this was like one of his favorite bands. And uh, I, I think that speaks for itself, uh, the size of that thread there. But also, even in the underground, like I've, there, there's not as many of them anymore, sadly. But when I was younger, there was like, uh, like punk bands that would come and play DIY shows who were like weird and fucked up and had crazy noises and... You know, we're on the experimental kind of noisy tip, and I think these guys, Flipper, a couple others, really, you could attribute that to them. Oh, that's what I was definitely going to say. I think for sure they they, they did prove that so you can come from a DIY, you know, small-scale background, and then, you know, you can your shit can blow up. That's also true. I would also say, maybe on, to piggyback off that, you can be, like, a smaller band and still have, like... An impressive live show. Yes. Oh, yeah. Proven by this band and the group Kiss in their early days where they famously had to build all their own stuff and they had the 
amps, the wall of amps that didn't have speakers in them. Also, uh, Dan, uh, Misfits, too. <laughs> yeah, the fucking spray paint. Misfits, guitars. fucking, I mean, Guar. Yeah. They did it. They didn't start out as like a bunch of fucking. Oh, they. I mean, our favorite band, Green Jelly. Yeah, with with that guy. What's the guy name? The guy Bill or whatever. Bill. I mean, for what it's worth, I'm sure those both those bands you just mentioned love the butthole service. I mean, Guar, listen to like the Death Piggy stuff. They're like early like punk band, and it's kind of clearly like a little brother of the butthole surfers, like spiritually, I would say. No, I I I I agree with all that. Uh, I think hopefully that there is some sort of. a renaissance of younger people finding out about the butthole surfers. See that I I don't know honestly, man. I feel like this might be a little too um. What's well, what I said? I, I hope. I, I get I, I could see them either a like it's it's too I mean too abrasive, or they or they just they don't get it. Which is so weird because there's so much new music that I feel is is probably actually, more abrasive, oh. but not as nearly as. Good. And honestly, yeah. they probably owe a lot to the butthole servers too. Well, it's interesting. I mean, like a hundred gex. I mean, come on. I was gonna. Yeah. I was about to mention them. Like the younger generations and like a lot of newer music that has taken off in the underground or adjacent to the underground. Like hundred gex would really be the perfect example. It is like weird and abrasive, and and you can yeah, like even hundred gex they do things that are kind of like an updated version of this in terms of the vocal effects and using auto-tune in a fucked up way like i i don't like that band but that is kind of what it is so i could see younger people getting this band now i think if anything's gonna like prevent that it would be maybe that this band like rocks too hard because like they also rock i feel like another thing honestly that 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 that, uh pays in that goes into this is uh i feel like they like the the zoomers or whatever if something is like old they will be like that's dad rock or corny or something. Unlo- Unless it's like fucking like yeah, like corn or like system say, of a down or something. Go with the love corn. Go fuck off. Well, I think grunge is having a bit of a moment, so that would probably lead people to the '90s buttholes material, and that's good. But what I would like to see in the punk scene is like more locust abortion technician shit. Like, oh yeah. And, I know this is like played out at this point, but like I love hardcore. I'm all about it. But there's a lot of it, and uh, I would love to... Because this is a general thought about punk that I, I'm sure I'll, I've said before and will repeat again. Like, punk rock in its original form in the 70s, I, if I were to distill the ethos of it, it's like anything goes, just, like, don't be boring. Like, you can experiment. You can you don't have to sound like the Ramones or Minor Threat or whatever. You can be adventurous, but the rule is you got to just keep the energy up. Just don't let it be boring. It can be totally weird and fucked up and avant-garde, but don't be boring. And think this band, especially their 80s material, really epitomizes that in a different way. You can hear it in the 90s, too. And I think that's a rule that I hope everybody kind of not just lives by, but creates by is what I would mm. like to see. I I would say uh, to also take influence maybe bands should be taking influence from them in uh in a recording sense because they have a lot of extensive production that their contemporaries the butthole service contemporaries really didn't do at all um, yeah and like when i hear bands that are pretty sick and i hear just bare minimum like we wrote this song and this riff whether it be a hardcore band or a punk band 
something. Mm-hmm. It's like you're in the fucking studio. When the bundle servers were doing that, when it was way harder to do that, like you should be coming up with like ideas and various other things. Yeah, and yeah. The, to me, being in the stu- especially if you, a label gets paid, like it's paying for it, then I there's no excuse. Like, come up with something. Like, whether it be a lead, whether it be a sample, whether it be an interlude, make make it fucking interesting. I think that that band Warren is a good example because mm-hmm. like that record is their LP that came out like a year or two ago. It's like pretty good, but as when I listen to it, it's like. Hmm. There needs to be lead guitar. There, yeah. there, there's interludes that make no sense and suck and just get rid of them. Like, so it's just one of those things where it's like, when you have these songs, think a little bit extra. What could I do to make them better, weirder, crazier, goofier, something to enhance it? And uh, I think we do that as really, really well, especially you, Jake. You're crazy good at that. At what just coming just up? Just coming with, up with like extra little weird melodies and yeah, like well, things well, th- to like th- thank keep you. it fresh. I do like, and I know I get why people don't always feel this way, but I, I did appreciate that about this band because I love doing shit in the studio. Like that to me is less stressful and more fun than playing live. And now we have a luxury. It's uh, also so much cheaper to record music now. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. We have luxuries they didn't have and that I'd like to take advantage of and that like if we really wanted to, we could record a Leaking Head album or whatever ourselves and then we have all the... We can fuck with it as much as we want at that point. And, Listen, uh, we could we could record 128 tracks of kick drums. Yeah, just, just like The <laughs> Omen. We could and we will. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people are saying that it's probably one tracks. of the best ideas that anyone's ever heard of. I'm hearing that more and more. If I could just add to, uh, yeah, of course, the episode here. Uh, there is another album they put out that we haven't covered, and I'm just going to give a little. Uh, it's a album of unreleased material that came out the year after uh, Weird Revolution okay. in 2002. Yeah, called uh, Humpty Dumpty LSD. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe if you're, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you know you're interested in checking out the Butthole Service discography. If you're a more uh, ambitious listener, I would definitely suggest giving this album a listen because there's some good, weird, real weird stuff on this. On this, when, when was that stuff recorded? Wasn't that uh, recorded earlier? I think it's a lot of it is uh, 80s, maybe like at the latest, like early 90s stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. And if it's outtakes, like that's got to be. Oh, I mean, a really uh, bunch of good weird ass songs. 100 million people dead. I mean, I think that was on. Uh, the peace comp or something wasn't it uh i think they, i think they did have a song that they were on some like punk comps they, they i forget which ones exactly but i know yeah it might have been the peace comp there's and yeah. the, were they they were on let them eat jelly beans maybe i want to say oh i think they were yeah. yes yeah, yeah, yeah if there was, there was one jello, they would be on it was a jello that. thing yeah but uh yeah a bunch of good songs on here uh um day of the dying alive eindhoven chicken mosque uh <laughs> I hate my job. That's from the, uh, uh, oh, the cottage cheese from the lips of death, I believe, compilation. Yes, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, like a punk comp too. Also, uh, there's really good and crazy song called "All Day." It's uh, eight minutes long, super trippy, really weird. Yeah, just you know what, get a smoked out vibe going, and roll, check 
roll out a fucking, you know, order some Chinese food. And a bag of Doritos to go with it. And fucking just rock fucking, this. Rock some butthole surfers, guys. Yeah, list, like, listen to Humpty Dumpty LSD by the butthole surfers. You know what is interesting, Tim, though? I feel like the last album seems to have, on streaming services, a lot of plays. Weird Revolution? Yes. Um, Weirdly enough. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why. Like, cause right, I everything I've read online. I mean, I read the Pitchfork review of Weird Revolution, and boy, they, they probably they, shit on they it. They massacred right? my boys they, in they the bottle surfers. Shit all over that fucking oh, thing. I mean, like straight out the gate, they're like, well, it's because they were stupid, like one hit wonders. Like, oof, they just man. didn't. Uh, they weren't, you know, part of the queer history of uh, indie rock. Yeah, I mean, if they only knew, or if they only were, I guess. No, no, no. Look, I'll it. go to bat for Pitchfork a little. They suck now because they got bought by Condé Nast, and now they're writing articles about how, like, actually Katy Perry is really good. Pitchfork in the early, in like the 2000s, not my thing, like disagreed with them, would still disagree with them constantly. Totally get why people thought it was annoying and that it sucked. They were the archetypal pretentious hipsters who would hate that fucking Butthole Surfers album. But that is better than the new thing, which is you're a pretentious hipster if you don't love Katy Perry. But everything is right. Everything is good. Yeah. And everything is good has made me long for the days of dickheads telling me that like I like should only listen to Mersbo and like the Mountain Goats that I wish Mm. that we could go back to that. That is true. But when you're on the other end where it's like, oh, a pretentious dickhead shading on something you like, it's just like, oh, fuck these well, well. I, the advantage is I can ignore that <laughs> yeah. more easily than I can ignore pop right. music, and I don't like people on top of that hammering me to like pop music more than I do. Dude, that shit's that shit fucking sucks. Oh, like yeah, like people, people were saying that on, on Twitter. People were saying that's like that's the you don't need to critically there's no critical revisionism for Katy Perry or, or for fucking like Taylor that. Swift. They they have millions of dollars. They are rock stars. They are idols. That's what they get. Who gives a shit? Yeah, Fuck who, off. who cares if I like them? Who cares? Yeah, who cares if but, I fucking but, like them? You know, if you, I don't know yeah. what popular fucking music sounds like. And guess what? I don't want to know. My partner probably does. Guess what? I don't fucking want to know. I want to listen to like uh, Humpty Dumpty LSD. Something like that. <laughs> and then like a, a band that has less than 100 monthly listeners on Spotify. And it's like, this is my favorite band of all time. Yep, you don't there, even know there, what it there's, is. There's pop music that I like a lot, and but I just can't imagine feeling like, like I don't think I need to explain to anybody why Despacito is a good song. Like, of course it, not. It just is. It's it's the second Dude. most viewed video on YouTube ever. It was the also f- it broke records on YouTube. Our president God played it on his, his phone. Played that song. Well, that's why it has. I mean, even half as many views as it does because our president did, did that shit. God bless us. Yeah, it's definitely not the other way around. But uh, <laughs> that's why he got so many votes. That's why he got so many votes. But it was, uh, it was rigged, but in a yeah, different way. I don't, I don't understand. I I agree. I don't understand the whole like. No, you have to pretend that Taylor Swift is good now. No, I don't. Fuck off. No, but you have to. Especially, you know what? Maybe frustrates me more is when people in like the underground scenes are like all about it, and it's like, man. There is so much dope shit that you probably have never heard of. I mean, I'm, I just look at it this way. It's like, oh, so you're going to go up the bat for Taylor Swift? It's like, oh, what's next? Like, you, you're going to show me your signed copy of the Big Bang Theory? Oh, I, I thought you were going to show me, say, where are you going to show me your signed copy of uh, Mein Kampf? <laughs> <laughs> right, because, I mean, that was a popular 
book too. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, also Taylor Swift is a white nationalist. Oh, I mean, I didn't hear about that. No, I only heard about Shakira's uh, Nazi amulet she made that I wish I bought. Cause well, she's from, tight. like, what, Argentina or whatever? No, she's from Colombia. Her family's from Lebanon, though. Okay. Mm. That's another pop artist I'm cool with. She's from Argentina, like from Colombia to Lebanon. Or from Lebanon to Colombia. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. By Leaking Head. So we're gonna close out with the song "Despacito" by the Butthole Surfers. That's no, I'm kidding. That's we used AI yes. to create the Butthole <laughs> Surfers cover of Despacito. Hey, let's, let, let, we should close out with a Butthole Surfers song. Let's How close. About, what were you? I, gonna I was gonna suggest the one from the last album with the Kid Rock writing credit, but we oh, could do a different. I one. mean, no, actually, I was gonna say we should Perfect. do "I Hate My Job" from Humpty Dumpty LSD, but I think what you offered is a that's. That's a fitting end so, for the butthole. So surfers. long as you agree, I just wanted to drop the factoid that that's a song, kid rock. Pen. The song "Shame of Life" has a kid rock writing credit on the last butthole surfers record. But amazing! Thank you for listening, everybody. Kingsandpunk.com, uh, Cop Pot official on Instagram, uh, Kingspunk Pot on Twitter. Let us know what you thought of this episode and what kind of job we're doing in general. Tell and, us uh, uh, how bad we are for not uh, liking Katy Perry anymore. Yeah. Yeah, or like not liking your favorite butthole surfers record as much as you do, or or whatever. Let us know what you think, and uh, we love to hear from everybody, whether it's positive, negative, or neutral. So thank you.